Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you doing today? Howdy, Alan. I am wonderful with a capital W. Okay. Uh, We'll have to refer to the judges to see how that works. I don't know. I don't know how that works. (laughs) Fair enough. But, but I'm glad you're doing well, and I'm, I hope everybody at home is doing well and staying warm. And as we record this, we're sitting here in a, a pretty cold February month. And I'm, I don't know about you, Mark, but I'm looking forward to this month being over. Oh, holy cow. Yeah, this, this February has been uh, pretty, pretty brutal. You know, here in Indiana, we have the extremes of both weathers. It becomes uh, yeah. not only Arctic cold to the point of molecular motion stopping, but then in summer, it's the surface of the sun. So. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. And, and the 15 inches of snow at, on top of, you know, the 12th month of the pandemic on top of, well, just a normal February. Good God, I'm, I'm, I'm done. And strangely, I don't know how this happens, but when I have to go to the bathroom, it's uphill both ways. That is nuts. That's I don't know how that happens. My dad used to say that. And I'm I like, know that it. can't happen. And it's now it's, it's here. Totally true. Yeah, oh my gosh. I know. God, our parents were even right. Oh, my. Yeah. All right. Well, today we're going to talk about season two, episode 11, Tom's Divorce. This episode first aired on December 3rd, 2009. And this episode was written by Harris Whittles and directed by Troy Miller. And so just a little bit of background on those two real quick. Harris is a, you know, a, a multiple episode, I'd say 20 plus episode producer of Parks and Rec and writer, um, had some background in the Upright Citizens Brigade. Uh, after the show, went on to do Master of None with Aziz. Nice. And um, yeah, so, you know, and, and the other interesting thing about Harris is he actually plays one half of the animal control department and he's aptly named Harris. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Harris the stoner. Stoner one of stoner two, they could have called those guys. And the other guy's Garrett from Superstore, I think. He is Garrett from Superstore. Good catch. Yep. Yeah. Yep. This episode was directed by Troy Miller. Troy is a producer and director and did uh, seven or so episodes of Parks and Rec, went on to do Arrested Development and the movie Jack Frost. Nice. Yeah. So a couple good writer directors on this episode as well. All right. Well, Mark, I think that's about it for the intro. Did you want to walk us through our synopses for the day? Yes, sir, I would. Uh, I have broken down our synopses as is um, as is pertinent. Um, as you're tr- apt to do, as the kids say. I am apt to do, as is my won't. Um, <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> language um, is funny. Language is funny. I tried to break it down into as many as, as possible because I sure. know you like that. I do. Um, I can, I can Double only do Q it. story. <laughs> I can only do two. Okay. So here are the two stories and the titles that I came up with them because I think I'm funny. Yeah, um, you do. So <laughs> I do think I'm funny. <laughs> so the A story I have as you can't spell divorce without T-O-M. It's not really that funny. I know. No. I know. I know. I could do better. Um, yeah, work so harder. finding out that Tom and Wendy got divorced, Leslie does everything she can to make Tom feel better, not knowing the truth like Ron does that it was a green card marriage. Leslie and the gang plan a night out for Tom, but it's possible no one knows how Tom really feels about the divorce. Dot, dot, dot. And we'll leave it there. Nice. Very good job. And then for the B story, I have as Andy versus Mark, the fight for Anne's soul. (laughs) Nice. 
don't know why I made it all bombastic like that. I like it. That, that makes me laugh. Um, so uh, Andy continues his efforts to pursue Anne, including trying to insult and belittle Mark. Um, finally, Alan, Andy challenges Mark to a game of pool with the hopes of hustling him, which it doesn't turn out as he expects and he continues yeah. to raise the stakes and Anne may or may not have gotten thrown in the pot and what will happen who will win <laughs> no one can say nice very that's nice job yep no that's a couple of great synopses i appreciate that <laughs> all right well let's get into our akas i know uh for our viewers at home and mark you know i know they're not viewers they're not viewers. like to call them that yeah yeah uh, we we just won't you know we don't like nbc's um haphazard way of naming episodes i mean you know uh, this one's called tom's divorce because it's about tom's divorce and that while that's true it's it's kind of boring so we like to help out by providing some alternate titles so what do you got today mark that's right i mean that i actually i think the nbc would do well if they actually added some hazard to their haphazard because <laughs> it's actually pretty boring but yes I, I i we can outdo them any day of the week including today um yeah so i'll tell you what so now you now you always make me nervous and the viewers at home know this but you usually do uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 17 to 18 aka's which yeah. makes me feel silly when i just you know have yeah. one so i'm going to do two then hoping that you're not going to outclass me too badly yeah um well, good luck with that <clears throat> all right <laughs> yeah it's not gonna, it's not going to matter um so very very slight spoiler yeah. Uh, at, at a certain okay. point during the show, uh, they do end up at um, <clears throat> the glitter factory. <laughs> and that's all I'll say about that. So one of my AKAs is from Tom. And uh -oh. he is explaining to someone else that <laughs> this just cracked me up. I don't know why this makes me laugh. He says, there is a girl here that also works at Quiznos. She's really nice to me here, but she's really mean to me at Quiznos. <laughs> oh, so close, Mark. I mean, I, it was on my, it was my number five. Oh, oh yeah. You know, we should remind the viewers, we don't compare notes. So, we, no. you know, we don't exactly know what will happen when we share an AKA. It may literally split the atom. We, <laughs> nice. we don't know. Um, so my other AKA is also from the glitter factory. Uh oh, um, and this, this one could happen it, today. It could happen. I'm just oh, saying oh, oh. worlds right. may collide. Let's right. see folks. I don't know what's about to happen. So hang on and don't get stuck. All right. <laughs> my, my AKA is from Ron and it is, I get the feeling that every one of these women is running a low grade fever. <laughs> I love that line. No, that wasn't it. I, oh, I, I, oh. I would say in my in my consideration bucket, it would have made my top 10 for sure. Oh, we folks, we have averted disaster. Everyone can stand Once down. Again. We're at DEFCON 4, not completely relaxed, but I think we're okay. Alan, what'd you have? Well, you know, I think it's apropos then that I should start with my glitter factory related ones. Of since course. we've already mini spoiled that and that's we fine. Yeah. Um, I had two that kind of, technically relate to what happens at the glitter factory so one is uh, they're actually both afterwards the next day as a matter of fact 
the first one being, um, you know, those hang, this is said by Tom as he's describing how he's recovering from the day before, you know, those hangover pills you order on TV. I threw up a bunch of them this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it'd be a terrible title, but you know, it, it, it tickled my funny bone. I was, I was just this close to having that as a third. Oh, so, all right. All right. Folks, the, the asteroid almost hit Earth, but we, but it didn't. So, Well, I have four today, and so two of them are glitter factory related. The next one is super short, and this one just is brilliant. You know, Leslie's like, how is it, you know, this is not the line, but she teased it up with, how is it even possible I still have glitter in me? You know, it's totally the next day. And Tom says, oh, yeah. my crotch looks like a disco ball. <laughs> <laughs> so all right so there you go so that invokes quite a visual it really does yeah Mm. i thought those were great brilliantly written lines if nothing else agree not great episode titles (laughs) i don't know and that's pretty good yeah disco ball crotch that has a ring to it yeah Uh, another location (laughs) in this particular episode is this restaurant you know it's a dinosaur themed restaurant that's all i need to say right now and uh there's a point where leslie you know says she wants hers medium roar and the the waiter says back to her for legal reasons we're not allowed to make puns about the temperature of meats anymore (laughs) (laughs) and the funniest word in that whole line is the word anymore because clearly this has been a problem yeah, because, you know, rules don't exist unless something happened in the past you know to necessitate that rule. Yeah, like you, you get the baggie that's inside the box with the thing in it, and, it, you know, it says this is not a toy. I mean, good God. Yeah. Clearly, yeah, we, we need help protecting us from ourselves. I know I do. All right. So my last and final, my my I'd say this is my AKA. Mm-hmm. Um this is an Andy line. It is during the pool hustle at one point, And that's all I'll say about that, Vern. Uh, he says, I'm going to say there's at least a chance that I didn't think this through completely. <laughs> and I feel like Mark, <laughs> not only is that funny, but it really represents so much of my life. Me too. But, he, you know, you got to give him points for honesty. Yeah, no, he's uh, <laughs> he, he's fessing up that he might have made a mistake here. We'll, we'll get into that here in a bit. Yup. Yeah. All right. Well, so I think that about does it for our AKAs. Let's get into and let's break down this episode. How's that sound? That sounds fantastic, sir. Let's do it. All right. Well, Mark, this this episode has a, uh, you know, we've talked about our cold opens before and, you know, whether whether or not they are, pro, ugh, whether or not they are plot relative. Yeah. Right. It's easy for you to say. Not not so much, apparently. <laughs> um, so in this one, you know, we kind of open, uh, I believe we're, we're kind of at multiple locations here um, within the park's office, um, you know, but mostly Leslie's office. And, you know, Ron is assigning Leslie a task uh, that, you know, she is obviously dreading and doing her best to get out of it. Right, right. So as you said, this is this is a plot relevant cold open. It's about 91 seconds. So a decent length. Um, and it starts out Ron needing Leslie to do a task. I, I, and the task is really irrelevant. I think she had to address yeah. late fees for the parks van, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Le- Leslie protests um, mainly because she has to go up to <clears throat> the fourth floor, which <laughs> no one, no one wants to go up to. But, no. you know, Ron's her superior. And as he says, he he, he can't do it because he doesn't want to. <laughs> I love that. That <laughs> was pretty clever. I need to use that more often. I, I'm going to use it. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but I feel like I have to describe this a little bit. Th- this is, in my opinion, one of the most 
enjoyable, frightening, and creative things that they've done on this show. So yeah. she's like, she arrives at the fourth floor. The, the, you know, the documentary camera is following her, as is apropos. And, and she arrives there in this creepy, rickety old elevator that's just shuddering to a halt. You know, the, yeah. do the doors open and everything just looks off. Like there's a sickly, uh, yeah. yellowy hue around everything. You and, know, right away something's off. Oh, it's not right. It's like it's like a it's it's like a horror movie or something, and you don't know exactly <laughs> what's going on. Like people are shouting, and and hacking and coughing. Everyone's sick. It appears that like a uh, uh, prostitutes and homeless are roaming the halls. Yeah. And Speaking I think of it, low grade fevers. I think. Oh my gosh. And I think at one point she's even propositioned for urine, and that may not yeah. even be like the most alarming thing that happened yeah. while she was there. And criminals Both buying and selling. Yeah, he's a. He's a multitasker. <laughs> um, so, you know, we as the audience can see immediately, like, why she didn't want to go there, you know. And, and so she's trying to make her way through this madness to get to the BMV, which is where Ron wanted to send her. And Leslie accidentally sees Tom and Wendy coming out of the divorce court. And she's stunned by this. And, like, she kind of, you know, does the mug to the camera, like, divorce. And then at this moment, she's surprised by an old uh, crypt keeper style yeah. popcorn vendor of all things that comes of up. All things. Popcorn. Ah, she's scared. So cue the that music. That was great. Yeah. You know, uh, two things about that scene real quick before we move on. One, I, I, it's one of my favorite cold opens. And like you said, it's just a great sequence in general. Uh, if it weren't so visual, we would totally play it for our viewers at home. But, you know, it just doesn't translate all that well. Right. But, if only they were viewers. If only they were viewers, we I could know. actually show you guys. Yeah. yeah. But um, I, I love two things. One, the the guy who brings out the popcorn. Well, first of all, they mentioned that popcorn, you know, was added to the fourth floor to help make the experience better sure. right because it's such a terrible place with all the stuff up there you know the right. the waves of humanity that uh, but, uh, <laughs> but that apparently they used a bad kind of oil and a bunch of people had to have their throats removed oh i know oh <laughs> it's horrible yeah but the, the popcorn vendor is in the script as the quote 110 year old man <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. That's funny. Play, played by uh, you know, the guest spot played by an actor named Richard Dunn. So uh, who passed away about a year after this episode was filmed. But yeah, just that one line, popcorn. Oh, man. So yeah, great. So funny. Yeah. All right. Well, that about covers it for the cold open. I think in the next scene, we're, we're going to be down in Leslie and Tom's office. Leslie's gently probing now that she's seen, you know, Tom and Wendy on the fourth floor. She's trying to get Tom to mention, you know, why was he up there? Right, right. And there's there's not a whole lot to talk about in this scene. Like you said, she's trying to probe Tom. She she's, uses not so subtle leading questions and Tom catches on pretty quickly that. Yeah. Oh, you, How are you, your institutions, Tom? Yeah, <laughs> you know about the divorce. All right. And, you know, um, as is appropriate for, for Leslie's character, she wants to talk about it and comfort him and be there for him. And, you know, Tom ultimately says he appreciates what Leslie's trying to do, but he insists that he's fine. And, and as if to cap this off, gives her a classic Tom open mouth grin, ding, to, you know, <laughs> pr prove that he's okay. So... That, that's I think that's kind of how they left yeah. it. So I don't think Leslie is satisfied. 
Yeah, no, she has that quick talking head there at the end before the the action moves on. She says, I I did a little research and divorce is the number two most stressful event in a person's life. And Mm. of course, marriage is number seven. So watch out. It's it's all bad. It's all bad. It doesn't matter what road you go down. That was nearly an AKA, but it's uh, you needed the full context for it to even make (laughs) sense. But yeah. So in the next scene, Leslie and the team, they're gathered around the conference room. They've drawn the shades, I think, because they're, you know, they don't want Tom to see what's going on. And and, and they're brainstorming maybe about, you know, how they can help Tom out here. Right. Leslie is clearly unsatisfied with Tom's explanation. She, she, you know, circles the wagons and is trying to motivate the gang into uh, action to, to make Tom feel better, however they can. And it seems like April is like starting to come around a little bit, you know, and, yeah. and, and Ron seems to be resistant. Um, of course, Ron is privy to a little bit of information that, you know, the rest of them don't have, which is that this is not real marriage. Um, so I think maybe Ron understands or Ron at least thinks that there's nothing to save him from. Um and Leslie, this leads Leslie to having a very fun, funny uh, caveman slash uh, Ron impersonation, something to the effect of, uh, you know, Ron, be supportive. OK, don't be all like, no, I don't want to. I am a guy and I like fire and playing hockey and eating meat. No, no, says I. <laughs> and then April turns to her and says, that was a really good Ron. <laughs> <laughs> If, if she thinks so, I'm not yeah. sure. Well, I think right after this, we're in Mark's office. We're going to kind of set up the B storyline here. And Andy enters in uh, Mark's office and, and is doing his best to kind of paint Mark in a bad light in front of Anne. You are exactly right, Alan. Um, he walks in and, and, and Mark and Anne are chatting. And, and you know, Andy's just being thoughtful, uh, Alan. And so he wants to thoughtfully let Mark know that the shoe shine stand uh, still doesn't have that syphilis medication <laughs> that you were asking about. You know, very, very smooth. Sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> Andy, Andy pretends all of a sudden to notice and, oh, hi, I didn't, I didn't see you there. And then he continues because he has more to tell him. He says, oh, Mark, uh, you know, again, um, we at the shoe shine stand, uh, we don't have those. Uh, <laughs> 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 Those extra small condoms you ordered, I called the factory. It's going to take a while, and not just because of the size, but the weird shape <clears throat> as well. They, they've never dealt with that. Uh, we'll talk. <laughs> so, and he has a, I think, a brief uh, talking head from his his shoe shine yeah. stand, and and he's letting us as the audience know. You know, he's Alan. He's being Thank all Ocean, he's being all Ocean's Eleven and super sleuthy, yeah. and he's <laughs> he tells us as the as the viewing audience, and we are viewers. He says. Mark never asked me for any small, weirdly shaped condoms. I made that up. <laughs> you know, Thank every God day, he told us. <laughs> every day I subtly chip away at the relationship, weakening it little by little. Um, and, you know, Alan, I just want to make a brief point here. This is, I'm, I'm a little disappointed at this. This is a little bit of a departure from what I was defending uh, just a few episodes ago. You know, I had said yeah. that I, I thought Andy, at least in the past, was, you know, yeah, he was being obnoxious, but he was being at least kind of straightforward about his intentions. Like he, he kind of seemed to be taking his version of the high road, but here he's kind of lowered himself to being a little bit of a dick. So I don't know. I'm, I'm a little disappointed. Yeah, I agree. We, we can get into that in the kind of the character arcs, you know, as we wrap up the episode before the score. But I feel like Andy took a step backwards this week. Agreed. Yep. 
Next scene, we're back in the bullpen and uh, someone has sent a singing telegram performer in the shape of a horse. Yeah, you know, Alan, I was trying to take my notes for this <laughs> and I was searching through my creative mind, which is not very big, as to how I'm going to describe this thing that comes yeah, did in. Did you ask Constantine? I did. And he asked if it was shaped like an onion. I told him no. And he got and he disinterested. Interest. Yeah. He yeah. just like, I'm going to go crunch, crunch an onion over here. Yeah. Um, so I ended up calling this thing the pantomime horseman. <laughs> I don't know. I, that's just what I came up with. So you uh, do this stuff to amuse yourself, don't you? I really do. <laughs> I need I need a, I need a life. Um, so we cut to the bullpen and, and, you know, we see several of the gang work in and then the pantomime horseman comes in and he's carrying <laughs> balloons and we kind of hear him like he's doing mm -hmm. little, little, hoop, little hooves a clopping yeah. there. And yeah. he, he does the little winny. He goes, where's Tom Haverford? And Tom sees this and goes, oh, for beep's sake. He Love is it. not happy about this. <laughs> um, and this is fascinating to me. Um, he apparently the pantomime horseman is a very niche uh, service because yeah. he not only delivers the balloon, in a horse costume, but he also delivers a custom message. And the custom message apparently is always sung to the tune of the Mr. Ed theme song. Love it. So, so as a result, each line of the message always has to end with, of course, of course. So like in this case, he goes, uh, oh, so you had a divorce, of course, of course, and no one enjoys a divorce, of course. <laughs> it's, just, it's just horrible. And you talk about cringeworthy. And, uh, and Leslie's just clapping along as she's, you know, yeah. seeing this horse do the thing. And Tom is just dumbfounded. Yeah, I love it. I think this whole sequence kind of runs together a little bit. We bounce between Ron's office and there's a, we see a spy shot of, the, of, you know, Tom getting some advice from Ron. And then we're back in the bullpen as uh, he finally comes out and addresses the group and talks about the elephant in the room. Yes. Yeah, correct. I, I, th I think at this point, Tom does turn to Ron, you know, for a couple of reasons. Um, Ron maybe have a, having a, ha a handle on how to handle the Leslie storm that's happening here he's a, he's a more worldly man than tom right so what would ron do does do you think tom has a little bracelet wwrd yeah i'm gonna i i think we need that here at the our in our merch shop constantine get on that okay <laughs> so um yeah it's also ron though he's like we said before he's privy to a piece of information that no one else knows which is that this is a green card marriage and so it does make sense that Tom would kind of go to him and go, look, Leslie doesn't know this, but I can't tell her that. And so his Ron's simple advice is act like you're sad and thereby give her something to focus on, something to fix. And that yeah. will feel make her feel like she's completed her task, so to speak. There you and go. then that'll get her off your jock. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. Man. Come on. Um, and then, you know, so he get, following Ron's advice, he Tom walks into the bullpen and he officially announces, yes, I'm splitting up with Wendy and I'm really hurt. <laughs> and Leslie, bing, like springs into action and says, oh, little buddy, uh, like he's Gilligan or something like, oh, little buddy, we're going to plan a <laughs> night out for you. Well, let's invite the entire gang. And, um, you know, Tom is very sad and hurt, of course, and he's but he's at the same time, he's trying to not so subtly guide them, I think, towards the 
towards the glitter factory and yeah he's playing this up leslie's trying to talk him out of it and apparently the gang instead agrees on going to a place called jurassic fork (laughs) a dinosaur themed restaurant that apparently jerry loves and not only loves has visited three times a week for the last 15 years that's a commitment you gotta really like a place oh man um yeah, so I think that's it for that scene. Well, yeah, and they mentioned this place is in Patterson, which I guess is supposedly some nearby town. Um, you know, uh, spoiler alert, I put this on my first list. I Probably our last list, too. I don't know we ever hear about Patterson, Indiana again. But You know anyway. what? That's, that's a good catch. I missed that completely. Huh. Yeah, yeah. I just, it really stood out to me because I'm like, where the hell's Patterson? Yeah. Because <laughs> they do like to mix real and not real places together. And uh, Patterson, you know, also not real, at least to my knowledge. Oh. Big state, though. I could be wrong. I really wanted to go to Jurassic Fork. I know. Me too. Yeah. It's got to be close, though, if Jerry's been going three times a week for 15 years. I could I know, explain that's... his quiz, you know, his physique. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's some serious gas mileage to put in if it's any distance. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, speaking of Jurassic Fork, that's kind of where we find ourselves in the next scene. The gang gang is gathered around the table at the restaurant, and uh, everyone's got their menu out, and everybody's starting to put in their dinner orders. Right. You know, the the waiter, um, you can tell the the waiter is duty-bound to go through a very specific dinosaur pun-related shtick. And he's going to do it, but he's clearly not very excited about the speech and puns that he is forced to use. Jerry, on the other hand, knows the waiter's pitch by heart and just freaking loves it, despite being there like a thousand times. Yeah. Um, Basically, like kind of doing it along with him to himself because he he knows it so well. Yeah, you can see him mouthing it like, yeah, (laughs) he just loves it. Um, So, you know, several menu related dinosaur related puns ensue, e.g. Triceratops. That's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, And then for your AKA, you know, Leslie tries to order her food medium roar and the waiter's like, no, we don't we don't joke about that for legal reasons. (laughs) We can't. Um, And the only other thing I think that happens in this scene is um, and tries to make it clear to the group that she's not oh, ordering yeah. very much. And and she even, during the talking head, tells the camera she hates group dinners where everyone chips in equally. The way she puts it is, I ordered a Tyrannus Caesar salad, and that's <laughs> all I'm paying for. You know, I, I gotta be I gotta go with Anne here on this one. I have been in her position here in this very same scenario, and I always kind of felt like, you know. If, if I wasn't getting drinks and other things as well, you know, I wanted to pay for my $7 salad and, you know, I didn't necessarily want to split the the bill, you know, and end up with paying my $20 share of my, with my $7 salad. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Me too. Not, not hard to relate to, but well, I think right after, you know, Anne has ordered her salad and had her little mini talking head there, you know, isn't this the point where Andy comes up and he's trying to kind of pull Mark aside and get him to come in and, and, and finally lay his pool hustle on him oh yeah that's right yeah he andy's so smooth you know he's like he goes huh that's strange i noticed that they have a pool table huh (laughs) hey mark why don't we put put the 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 question that's been plaguing everyone's mind to rest of which one of us is the better pool player like no no one's ever there's no debate no No one's ever thought no one's ever even said that um i i you know so he andy's trying to goad him into it basically yeah and and 
he I like that he finally succeeds, I think, with the line. Because oh. Mark's trying to like tactfully go, you know, Andy, yeah. no, 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 I'm not interested. And finally, Andy goes, I don't know. I just figured because pool is all about angles and, you know, Mark's a failed architect that he might want to play <laughs> pool. And that's all. And Mark's like, oh, let's do this. Um, and then, oh. as you implied, um, in a talking head, Andy tells the camera that, you know, he's trying to hustle Mark. Yeah. Um, although I think we as the audience, we, we got to wonder if he even knows what that really means. But apparently that's what he thinks he's going to try to do. Yeah. Well, based on Andy's previous performance with uh, trying to be tricky, I'm not sure he's going to pull this one off. We're not confident in his uh, his ability to do so quite yet. His track record is not impressive. It's not great. Yeah. No. Well, we're back at the table still here at Jurassic Fork. And, and Leslie is, uh, you know, now that they're waiting on their food, I think she's trying to she's about to try to build up Tom's confidence. Yeah, I think Leslie's trying to move the night along and suggest that everybody at the table, why don't we go around the table and everybody saying something nice about Tom? And they do this and they, you know, it starts with an awkward but well-meant comment from Jerry. Um, and and which, you know, and I don't want to go into all the details of all of them, but they kind of go around the table and each one of them has little funny things to say. And right. um, I think Ann just says, yeah, Tom's nice. By the way, can I collect everyone's credit card? I mean, she really wants to separate the bill. Um, but at the end of it, Tom thanks all of them and then says, oh, yeah, hey, waiter, uh, can you bring more wine and creme brulees on account of I'm still sad? <laughs> and Ann's pissed. Yeah. <laughs> and looks at the, at the camera again purposefully. is like, I'm not I'm not putting up with these shenanigans. Yeah. Um, and, and Leslie has... Um, a talking head like she's she can sense something is a little weird and 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 i love that she has a big animatronic dinosaur over her shoulder <laughs> right as she's her. saying this yeah. and and uh she says i thought i had tom all figured out but it's almost like he's faking being sad why would he do that like she can't figure it out now his wine and creme brulees like why would he do that i don't know yeah and he's he, to this point i mean it's not it's not surprising she's starting to catch on because he's he's really not uh he's not pulling it off yet his little acting shtick no he's he's not dicaprio yet not yet so we're uh from this scene where we jump back over to our b story in the pool room and uh you know it looks like mark has maybe just quickly won this first game that andy has asked him to play Right, right. Well, well, Alan, you know, we as the viewers realize that Mark is falling uh, into Andy's clever trap here. Well, sure. Um, and yeah, Mark's won the first round and then Andy's like, hey, you know what? Hey, don't don't go. Why don't we go double or nothing? And then, you know, Andy has a quick talking head like this is the next step. You you lose to your opponent intentionally so that they gain <laughs> confidence. Um, step two has been completed easily, actually, really easily. Mark's really good at pool. <laughs> yeah, I think at this point we know this is about to go south. Uh huh. Well, Ron, when we come back, Ron and Tom, they're kind of, they've, I think they've kind of moved over to their own table. They're having a little bit of a talk. And, uh, and I wrote down here, this is the point where Ron is about to break the bro code. Yes, uh, well said. Yeah, they're they're at a they're at a, a small little table, just the two of them. They're they're apart from everyone else, so whatever they're saying is just between the two of them. And um, you know, Ron starts out by asking Tom how you know how's the fake sadness going? Are you okay, Tom? Because he knows because he gave him right. that advice, you know. And then the conversation switches to Wendy, and it seems okay at first, 
but then it led to a moment where Ron said, look, would you ask, would you mind if after all the fake dust settles, if I asked Wendy out, Tom said, told Ron, no problem, but it's very clear to us seeing his face when Ron leaves that he is clearly very, very unhappy at this turn of events. Yeah. Well, you know, I feel like we've been building toward this moment for several episodes, frankly, as far, I mean, I think the first time I noted it on rewatch was the Halloween episode. You know, it's that moment where Ron, you know, dressed as the the, the second best pirate in the room. Yeah. Pachitis. Um, Yeah. That's the Pachitis episode. Very good. He, he, he sees this interaction between Tom and Wendy and he, he has that look on his face, like what's going on. And we, we later, you know, that's when Ron finally figures out that something's going on. And that he, I think it's during the competition where they're trying to, you know, find out dirt on each other. He finds out that, you know, they are actually have this green card marriage, but I feel like all along there had been these little hinty moments that Ron is attracted to Wendy and here's where he finally does the thing. And I don't know, I feel like I needed to shower afterwards. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and, and you're also correct, I think, that there have been a few little plot points that they've dropped, uh, little nuggets for us as the audience to pick up. And they're kind of, um, you know, uh, springboarding off of those here and kind of continuing it. So I, I kind of like that. Yeah. Well, he, I mean, if nothing else, he's decided she's about the right size for spooning. So mm. <laughs> LOL and yuck. Yuck. Uh, we come back. Andy then is, you know, it, it, back in the pool room. Andy has continued to lose to Mark. And it seems like maybe, just maybe, um, his plan is not going to work out. Yeah. The the next thing we as the audience see is uh, Mark wins again and tells Andy, hey, you now owe me $6,400. <laughs> and, you know, Andy's trying to play it off like, oh, 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 oh man. And then, you know, Andy talking head. Um Mark is way better than me. I, I'm going to say, like like you said, Alan, I'm going to say there's at least a chance I didn't think this through completely. I love it. Um, and Mark tries to just walk away saying, you know, all right, you know, I, I, I have all of your money in the world or what you will ever make ever in your life ever. I'm, I'm pretty much done. Um, and Andy goads him into playing one last game. And after going back and forth, like you don't have anything else. Finally, Mark, I think, is so frustrated with Andy he says, all right, smart guy, listen, we'll play one last game. And if uh, if if you win, you don't owe me any money, you know, because, you know, 6,400, hello. But right. if I win, you need to leave us the heck alone. And Andy doesn't like that. So he goes, no, that's not fair, <laughs> which I don't know why. But, you know, we got to sweeten the pot. I won. <laughs> and so I think Mark's just like, oh, oh my God. Okay, fine. We'll, we'll play for Ann. That's whatever. Just rack them up. Let's and, do it, man child. And, and, and the, yeah. And, and then at the end of the scene, we happen to see that April is sitting on the sidelines looking <laughs> on and she's clearly wanting to see some violence. She goes, somebody punch someone. I love that. <laughs> she, she doesn't like all this talking. She wants some blood. You know, there, there are two things during this sequence that I thought were interesting and funny in that order. Interesting, you know, the $6,400, if you, if, you if you do the math on it, it means that they have, starting with the $25 loss, that at least nine times in a row, Andy has now doubled down and lost the mark to get to that dollar amount of $6,400. Right. Yikes. So, math. 
<laughs> and then the other part that made me laugh was, uh, you know, Mark's like, hey, you've got nothing else to give me. And he says, I have a T-shirt I tackled Eddie Vedder in. Which I don't know how you evaluate that on eBay. No, I, I don't know how you would get a get get a price point for that. But but he seems to clearly think that that could have been a, a, a stand in for something. Yeah, it may be the most valuable thing he owns at this point. I think it definitely is. Yeah. Well, we're back in the the Jurassic Fork restaurant proper now, and and Leslie's walking over to console Tom, and it seems like now, like you know, he was a bad actor at first, but now he really seems like he might be in the dumps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, you know, she walks over just to say, "Hey, buddy, how you doing?" And Tom's just now really like, "I am just, I'm just miserable. Like, I just, I, you know, my my marriage was horrible, and then it's over now, and it's it's awful, and." And, and Leslie is now, she's trying to brainstorm like, oh man, he's really, he's, he's sad, 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 sad now. So I got to take him. I have to take him someplace where he can't possibly be sad. Dot, 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 dot. Oh crap. We're going to go to the glitter factory. So she, she ends up telling the gang, okay, this is where we're going. Um, and, and I think due to several different reasons uh i think only three of them end up going those being ron and tom and leslie that's right well april's too young and you know donna clearly can't go back she's been kicked out because of a fight oh, yeah. with, with jasmine you know and if, and if if leslie sees her you know tell her she can keep anthony but she wants her microwave she back. wants the microwave back yeah it's a nice microwave I jasmine <laughs> I, that i think that could have been a whole episode by itself oh yeah Agreed. Well, from here we cut and we were actually outside the glitter factory and you're right. It's just Tom, Leslie and, and Ron, and they're, they're about to go inside and they're having a real quick conversation. Tom tries to tell Leslie, uh, I think half-heartedly, but he at least makes the attempt like, look, Leslie, are you sure? Are you sure you want to do this? You can't unsee some of this stuff. And Leslie, this is kind of sweet. Leslie's like, look, I wouldn't normally do this. I, I don't, believe in strip clubs i wouldn't normally go in but you know what i'll put that aside for now because i'll do it for you to put a smile yeah. on your little perverted face now let's go in there <laughs> so that's kind of i mean funny but it's kind of sweet um i like that. and and leslie's like okay you know I, I'll, I'll pay for the lap, lap dances are on me but not physically i'll, I'll pay for them um and she has a, a a quick uh talking head um where she says i feel like jane goodall studying the chimps <laughs> you know um there are some scholars who say stripping is a feminist act. And then that segues into a shot of uh, we cut. Now we're inside the glitter factory and there yeah. is some major, let's just say shenanigans going on. Yeah. Uh, some naked, a lot of blurring naked, in the background, a lot of blurry naked shenanigans. And Leslie looks at the camera stunned and horrified and Oh, poor Leslie. That, yeah. That, that, that's that shot was great. And it didn't even need dialogue. It was perfect. Yep. Yep. Well, we continue on here inside the glitter factory and, you know, Ron and Tom and Leslie are all chatting and, you know, Tom, Tom's finally just, he's, he's going to embrace his time here and make the most of it. That's right. I, and you start to think, well, maybe this is a good idea. Maybe this can you know, cure him of his, of his doldrums. Um, my AKA came from this first line where Tom tells Ron, Hey, you know, there's a girl here that works at Quiznos. She's really right. nice to me here, but she's really mean to me at Quiznos. That so oh, that's funny. weird. Yeah. Um, Leslie gives Tom some money, says, you know, go make good use of it. 
And Sam says, you know, yes, ma'am, I'm going to put it places you've never heard of and <laughs> let, let's do this thing. Um, and, and Leslie standing with Ron says, well, you know, this is pretty rough. I, I don't like it here. Is it always this rough? And Ron says, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't like strip clubs. You know, it smells like a, I think his quote is, a, yeah, it smells like a wet mop in here in my AKA, mm -hmm. my other AKA. And I yep. get the feeling that every one of these women is running a low grade fever. <laughs> and <laughs> Leslie kind of looks up at him and says, you know, you're one of the good ones, Ron. And then Ron all of a sudden looks up, wait a minute. And you see him start walking towards something. Hello, beautiful. Mm. And quick Ron talking head. He's like, strippers, strippers do nothing for me. I like a, I love this whole thing. He <laughs> says, I, I like a strong, strippers do nothing for me. I like a strong salt of the earth, self-possessed woman at the top of her field. Your Steffi Graffs, your Cheryl Swoopses, Alan. Um, but I <laughs> will take a free breakfast buffet anytime, any place. And you know, some of the like the 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 like she's my cherry pie. We had like sexy <laughs> songs playing in the background and, and like Ron's getting into the songs, but not because of the women, because he's like flipping pancakes onto his yeah. plate and got the bacon going there. And he's like smiling and almost semi dancing as he's getting his food. Love it. Um, Love it. Should Love the over-the-shoulder grin from ear to ear. Oh my gosh. So so funny. And quick note that you know. Steffi Graf, Alan, your your Cheryl swoops is this yeah. is a callback, I believe, to yep. uh, Ron's attractiveness scale from practice date. Steffi is a is a ten, and That's everybody right. else is, including Aphrodite, the goddess Aphrodite is a seven. <laughs> That's a tough yeah. list. Whew. Yeah, well, you gotta love Ron. Well, from here, you know, Ron is now, he, he's gotten this great breakfast buffet. He's sitting down, he's got his own little table and he's just going to town. It's a real short scene, but. Yeah, yeah. It, it, Tom just sits down and Ron is is oblivious to, or I want to say this right. He's, he thinks, he genuinely thinks that Tom is still acting sad. Right. Not really sad. And so I. I don't know if I think he's being a jerk here. I think he he is being I think he doesn't oblivious. Understand. He's oblivious, yeah. Yes. Which right. which, you know, ipso facto is, you know, yeah, he's being a jerk because he's not aware of the the pain he's causing his little buddy. Right. I would agree with that. Yeah. Poor Gilligan. I know it. Well, you know, with with Ron, Leslie, and Tom having gone to the glitter factory, and presumably April and Donna having and Jerry having gone home, we bounce back to Jurassic Fork, still in the pool room. We've got Anne and Mark and Andy, and uh, I think Mark is about to take his final shot, you know, and uh, in in this gambit that Andy has laid down to win back Anne. Right. Anne is uh, sitting on the sidelines watching this as the final actions go down as Alan as they battle for her soul. And Mark's about to win. I think he's dominated this in almost the entire thing. I think he's had to. And then the very end, he scratches the eight ball. And Andy is elated. You know, oh he, thinks he, he thinks he's won. He gives Mark a moment to say goodbye forever yeah, to, to Anne. And Ann and Mark just kind of look at each other and go, let's just go. <laughs> and, 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 and Andy looks very confused and unhappy and his brief talking head. He says, you know, I know legally, <laughs> of course, that Ann is now mine, but it weirdly doesn't feel that way. 
Uh, Andy. Poor Andy. I know it. Well, Mark, you know what? I think putting it into our B story, I think this is a good time for us to take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, we'll finish the breakdown. All right. Sounds good. All right. We'll be right back. Do you sometimes have a huge, unquenchable appetite? Do you like dinosaurs and large charred chunks of meat? Of course you do, so stay tuned. Hello, this is Ron Swanson. If you have a Jurassic-sized appetite, enjoy giant animatronic beasts, like menus with way too many selections, and enjoy plentiful and sometimes ridiculous dinosaur-related puns, then Jurassic Fork may be for you. Owned and operated by longtime Pawnee restaurateurs Tim and Millie Mims, Jurassic Fork is located on Paleo Road in nearby Patterson, Indiana, and offers a pool table and gift shop in addition to some excellent dinosaur-themed entrees. The menu items include Tyranna Caesar Salad, which I am going to pretend I did not see, Grilled Prehistoric Salmon, not recommended, even prehistoric fish is practically a vegetable. Chicken Villasa Wrap, if you are determined to feel healthy, an acceptable alternative. Tricera Burger, delicious with or without Steakhouse K-Fries. Prehistoric bacon is extra, of course. Tricera Chops, not a bad option, nor a bad pun. Be sure to get plenty of Dino barbecue sauce with it. And, my favorite, the Ribeye Steakosaurus. Now we're talking. A delicious hunk of charred prehistoric goodness. In addition, there are plenty of items for the little dinos, as well as many delicious raptortizers to choose from while you wait for your main course. So, remember our motto, Jurassic Fork, where history meets food, and the only thing that will be extinct is your appetite. <laughs> That's a good one. Use coupon code GERGICH3X15 to get a free shrimp asaurus cocktail. Special note, be sure to check out Tim and Millie's newest venture, a German-themed restaurant, Schindler's Lunch, located on the Pawnee-Patterson border. Thank you. That is all. All right. Well, we're back, everybody. Well, I think, Mark, at this point, Andy has one and, but it doesn't quite feel that way. <laughs> we bounce back to the Glitter Factory, and, and Leslie's going to do her best to cheer up Tom by introducing him to her new friend, Seabiscuit. That's right. It's, it's, you know, it's really hard to hear in there. I, I apparently, apparently. the uh, Leslie is going to the good old standby. She brings over a stripper. Like, yeah. I, th this is the big guns here. And so... She brings over Seabiscuit, who claims her name is Sierra. I don't know. It's loud in there. It's hard to tell. Um, and you would think this would cheer Tom up, especially with Leslie standing over Seabiscuit's shoulder, like rooting her on. I mean, who wouldn't want that? But he is just too sad. And giving to her life it. advice at the same time. <laughs> I know. Uh, he's too sad to enjoy it. So Leslie dismisses uh, Seabiscuit and I think Leslie is really, really like genuinely concerned about him at this point. And, and, and Tom says, I don't know what's wrong with me. This is honestly the saddest that I've ever been, which is really kind of heartbreaking. You know, he's sad. Um, and then, you know, to interrupt this very poignant, sweet moment. I love that. 
the announcer of the Glitter Factory all of a sudden announces Glitter Bomb. <laughs> and, and we hear an explosion <laughs> and glitter flies everywhere, everywhere from everywhere. And the best part of it is Ron <laughs> almost in a, a, a suicide dive, desperately tries to protect the breakfast uh, food on his plate by diving over it. My he God. loves his breakfast food. He really does, and he'll protect it at all costs. Oh my who, gosh. who wants glitter in your pancakes? I do not. I vote no. No, no nor, nor in your crotch the next day. But anyway, <laughs> well, Tom and Leslie, you know, we, we, the next scene we cut over, Tom, Tom's sitting at the bar, and, uh, you know, he, as Leslie walks up, he, he seems to be knocking them down. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's pounding back shots at this point. Um, and Leslie's talking to him and Tom in a in a drunken now stupor uh, tells Leslie that, you know, Ron's going to ask Wendy out and in 60 days she'll be free to marry him. And Leslie's like, what? And she's yeah. she's pissed. Yeah, she she asked Ron, is this true? And, you know, Ron doesn't want to tell Tom's secret of a green card marriage. So all he can really say at this point, but he doesn't want to lie and say, no, it's not true. So he true. just says it's complicated. Um, and Leslie, this this really stunned me. She says, what is wrong with you? I wish I wasn't alive to hear myself say this, but I am ashamed to be your deputy, um, which for this, Leslie, this is pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, she's you know she's so nice to everyone that when slash if she ever says something that deep and critical and hurtful, it's like thunder because it never <laughs> ever happens. Like it's holy true. crap! So anyway, um, Leslie has a brief talking head where she's and she's she's pissed yeah. and she says, "I don't get men if they're not wagering their girlfriends <laughs> in pool." Okay, that one's fair. Yeah. Then they're trying to steal each other's wives. It makes you question the whole notion of those bromance movies. Uh, I love it. <laughs> and I think we uh, end this part of it. Tom is now drunken himself. He's yeah. passed out. Yeah, he's, he's down for the count. And so now Leslie's <laughs> like, oh, my God. Ron, could you please come over here and pick Tom up? And in the process of that, do not have sex with his wife. <laughs> <laughs> so the three of them, I think, decide well, that now is the time to leave. Yeah, they're they're headed out. And I, I love the last minute reminder. You know, Leslie always, the you know, even though she's pissed at Ron, she's worried about his back, you know, oh, yep. from the knees. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he weighs eight pounds. Like, give me a break. It's like a milk uh, carton. Yeah, barely yeah Yo. so we cut to the scene the next scene and, and ron you know carrying tom i believe they're at the front door of uh tom and wendy's house yeah um you know they knock on the door and and wendy answers it and she's surprised to see them but i mean i think that she's genuinely a pretty nice person and she invites yeah. them in and once they're inside, Leslie sees that Wendy has a man over. Like, apparently she's on a date. And Leslie's already not happy in general. And this just yeah. kind of, I think, pushes her over the edge. So calls Wendy an insensitive little hussy. I mean, she's clearly feeling very protective of Tom right now. Yeah, very much so. And, you know, Ron realizes what's happening here and tries to stop her. But Leslie's going on a tirade. She's mad. And she goes on a tirade. She tells Wendy off and she storms out. But before she storms out, she finally says as she exits, you have a lovely home just because she can't stand not ending on a nice note, I guess. Oh, um, Leslie. Wendy is just 
flabbergasted and perplexed and Ron still holding milk carton. Tom says, so where do you want this? <laughs> <laughs> the poor guy on the date with Wendy, he's so confused, but yeah. 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 Well, the next morning, I think, is the next scene. It's it's a new day. Leslie, uh, they're back at the in Leslie and Tom's office, and Leslie's checking in with Tom, you know, to see how he's doing this morning. Right. This is the the Leslie Tom shared office. They're both in there together. She's asking him how he's doing. It's, it's been a rough morning, and this is one of your AKAs. I think where he's like, "Yeah, you know those hangover pills." I threw a bunch of them up, so <laughs> so I feel a lot better. Um, Whatever it takes, Bob. And I think at this point, this is where Tom finally just confides. He's like, I, I don't care anymore. He confides in Leslie and says, look, yeah, it was a green card marriage. And dot, 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 not just that, but he's clearly developed feelings for Wendy. And so that you know kind of explaining i think everything soup to nuts here and maybe leslie has a little bit better understanding of you know she may have jumped the gun a little bit with regards to ron um and i really i have to do this quote that i really like the way that this scene ends um you know tom explains the reason i was acting weird is winnie and i have a green card marriage <laughs> and leslie immediately says oh my Every god time. it's because you're a libyan and he's like no damn it wendy's from canada and leslie oh oh what oh uh um okay wait start again she's confused but she's interested she is and and we take a brief pause in this sequence to to jump back over to mark's office here at the parks uh, department in in the city hall and uh and really truly wrap up the b story mark and ann are are talking when andy comes in and uh seems like he's maybe going to capitulate that it's finally over Right. So, yeah, Andy goes to his office, uh, Mark's office once more. Mark and Ann are there again. And um, but this time it's to tell him, it's to tell them rather that it's it's over. Um, at first, they're afraid he's going to be like, I own Ann. But, you know, he's like, no, I don't know. I'm not going to say that. I, I'm, I'm, it's over. I'm not going to bother you anymore. You guys uh, clearly have something going and I should respect that. And so, Alan, my, my sensors are up. My spidey sense is tingling and I'm waiting. Yeah. I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm going to say at this point, it seems like he's sincere. I agree. And, and, but I wasn't sure. And yeah. so I think Mark and Ann believe he's sincere as well. And Mark stands up and shakes his hand and says, thank you. Like, sincerely, thank you for saying that. And there is a very sweet moment here where Andy sadly turns to Anne to kind of shake her hand as well and says, you know, goodbye, a cakes. Hello, Anne. And then there's a pause. Goodbye, Anne. And Anne says, goodbye, Andy. And that's really powerful stuff, you know? Yeah. And then I, I thought that that was a nice ending. And I was like, and then at the very end, he's walking out the doorway and he pauses and he goes, Oh, I thought for a second, you're going to chase after me right there, but you didn't. And that's okay. I, I meant every word I said, And so now, so the scene ends, Alan, and my spidey sense is still going on because I'm like, okay, did that last little, 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 little McNugget of silliness, did that like undo what he just said? I don't think it did. I don't think so. I mean, we'll find out for sure in in future episodes, but I think at this point, you know, you're kind of left hanging. Like, is he really hanging up his hat? Is he truly done? And it feels like maybe he is. It feels like maybe he is. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, we, we bounce back to Leslie's office from here and we kind of have the conclusion, you know, <laughs> now that, you know, Leslie's straight that Tom's not Libyan. I think this is the fourth time he's had to say so, but <laughs> she, she's like, oh man, you, you really like your wife. That's a bummer. What a bummer that you like your wife like that. Um, yeah. And, and I think Tom wraps it up by saying, look, Leslie is the only one who knows this fact including Ron. Ron is not aware of this, that that Tom cares for Wendy. You know what? You're and, right. And and so Tom asks her, please, this is this is my problem. Please don't tell Ron. So Leslie is the only one he's entrusted with this right now. And I think that that's basically the gist of it. And then it ends with a, a, a little funny thing where Leslie kind of reaches inside her shirt and she's f continuing to find pieces of glitter um, <laughs> on her body and all over the place. And Tom's like, yep, that takes forever to get off. <laughs> My crotch looks like a disco ball. But do I love it. And I think the only other thing that happens after this, we've got a really, really short kicker here at the end to kind of uh, put a bow on it. <laughs> yes. This is the return of pantomime horseman <laughs> he needs his own comic book series god help me i love this though so we cut to ron's office and i don't know if this is after hours i don't see anybody else in the office so let's Feels let's like just into the same day yeah. yeah and so you cut to ron's office ron's seated behind his desk ron kind of looks up and hears the sound of clopping hooves and you go what on earth and there's a shot from behind ron showing pantomime horseman once again this time coming into ron's office quick note this also shows ron's shaved area from his battle scars on hunting trip like his it hair does. is slightly grown back but it's clearly yep. much shorter than all the surrounding hairs it's kind of interesting little patch of astroturf back there astroturf and pantomime horseman uh <laughs> once again singing to the mr ed theme song <laughs> he goes Leslie, sorry she called you selfish, of course. She just didn't know the full story, of course. But now that she does, she's sorry, of course. Of course. She loves being your deputy. And he <laughs> takes it because he got a balloon. And he puts the balloon down on Ron's desk very carefully. And Ron's just, he's not happy. Ron's yeah. legs just like grumpy. He looks at him and pops it with his pen. Cue the credits. Classic. Yup, love it. Love it. All right. Well, that was a great breakdown, Mark. Thank you for that. You know, I, I think we talk a little bit now here about maybe some of the things that happened in this episode before we we get into our scoring and character development, you know, some of the first or tropes or goofs or fun facts. And, you know, I, I, this one for me, Mark, was probably not a little more sparse than some of the episodes that we've just recently reviewed. How about you? I, I would agree with that. I had... Um... I had one potential first, and even that I question, which was the glitter factory. I want mm. to say in my now this wasn't the first mention. This no. it's been mentioned before, but it was the first time we've seen it in in living color. It and is. I can't remember if we return there. I want to say we do, but I can't say we for do. sure. Do we? I believe okay. we will in the John Raffio days. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. we, you are correct. Yeah, But you know what's interesting to me about that, and I had it also as a first, I said it's the first time we see inside of it. There, there's a bit of a, um, 
I, I guess we kind of maybe put under goof, or at least I'll say that they have changed their mind about the glitter factory, or Tom has, because mm. early episodes, the, there's a mention of two different strip clubs. Oh, and yeah. Tom says at that point, and I don't remember the name of the other one, but he says, whatever you do, Talent don't go to glitter. Thank you. Talent and poise. Yep, yeah, I know that clubs. tied into a great joke. Yep. Uh, he says, whatever you do, don't go to the glitter factory. It's disgusting. But obviously here we learn he's been here many, many times and doesn't currently find it disgusting, although it doesn't work for him. Uh, but anyway, I just thought that was kind of funny. I think maybe he doesn't want people to go to the glitter factory because he wants to have all the glitter factory to himself. Uh, I could be I find him there more often than he wants to admit, although Tom didn't have a lot of shame, but <laughs> well, that that's true. Although, you know, one of the strippers there was his emergency contact. I don't I know if that. they wanted yeah. him to know as much about his personal life. Um, point. Yeah. I, that, you know, that's a good point. I forget about John Raffio and I think we do go back there. Um, The the two tropes I have, one I think I can defend and the other is pretty weak. Um, The the one I feel like I can defend is the Tom OMG for the open mouth grin. And that's where Tom is trying to convince Leslie that he's fine and kind of ding, like, you know, does his little grin. Yeah. Um, I love that he knows he does that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I like Tom if he's self-aware. Yeah. Um, And the other one, I, I tried to shoehorn a little PBJ in there, punching bag Jerry, but. Hmm. I, I think that's pretty weak sauce that what I was trying to shoehorn in was they're going around the table and they're making comments about Tom telling like nice things about Tom. And that's where Jerry kind of leads off the group by saying, um, yeah. you know what, Tom, I, I'd like to have your body. <laughs> and like, what? Like, you're a freakazoid. I'm like, no, no, no. Cause you, cause you, I mean, you can eat anything you want you're just very thin. And you know, I'm not, and I wish that, you know, that I had your metabolism. So, I mean, it makes sense once he explains it, but then everyone's like, okay, Jerry, that was weird. Now everyone's uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, as far as the, the, the spectrum of PBJ, that's pretty weak, but I, I thought I'd mention well, hold on. Well, let's go to the judges. Judges. Uh, okay. They're giving it to you, Mark. Wow. Oh, I eat yeah. pie. Nice job. Um, and, you know, I didn't have any other like tropes or firsts or goofs or fun facts. Um, I And I didn't know if you did. I I actually had one of the deleted scenes I, I wanted to mention. Well, hold on. Before we before we get to deleted scenes, I'll yeah. t- unless you want to talk about it first. No, nope. I, I can give you my quick. OK, so I had one other first. Um, I, and again, it's weak with this mention of Patterson, right? I, again, because I don't think oh, it ever yeah. happens again. So who cares? <laughs> um, but more importantly, I think it's the first time we learn about the fourth floor in the in City Hall, which oh, to me, good one. Right? Yes. I mean, because we're going to see it again. It's going to actually be plot yep. relevant for a Ron storyline later and some other things. And it just, oh my God, it's just so funny. The way Great call. It. That absolutely yeah. counts. Yeah. A, a bit of quick trivia. Apparently, if you go downtown Indianapolis, on the fourth floor is the uh, Bureau of Motor Vehicles. So just kind of funny. So I don't know if they knew that, but yeah, anyway. It's got a and sickly then, yellow light, same yeah. thing. Yeah, oh my God, I'll have to go check it out. Uh, but, um, you know, on the trope side, I, I, I had Steffi Graf because, you know, it's <laughs> we've already said it, you know, he's brought it up before and it's, it's, it's Ron's, you know, uh, you know, high watermark for beauty. So um, here we go again. Yeah, you know, I, I can't argue with that. Nice, nicely done. Yeah. And then the only other thing I had of note was, uh, like, I don't know if you call it a goof, but 
<clears throat> when when Ron is uh, convinced that you know Tom now truly sad because Ron has threatened to date his wife, mm-hmm. um, you know he's like, hey, there, calm down, buddy. You know you you've already convinced everybody. Uh, you've already won your Oscar, DiCaprio. Um, well, this episode's in 2010, and while I'm sure Leonardo DiCaprio is considered to be a good actor by this point, he doesn't actually ever win an Oscar to 2017. So unless you know somebody had a time machine. it's a prognostication at best you know i actually read something about that and and i and now i forget because i'm old um there is a reason why they did that and i can't remember if it's that that year he was nominated for something but i I, I think that there actually was some connection but i admit i can't remember what it is yeah i bet you're right i'd be curious what he was up for at that point because uh maybe gatsby or something like that but yeah oh that's possible yeah 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 well um so all right deleted scenes then mark you already kind of teed us off i i counted uh, a total of 10 scenes running about five minutes and 14 seconds I, I like to talk about deleted scenes only if to see how completely different our counts are yeah i think what I was think your count you're better at differentiating them and then i kind of watch it and go wasn't this just one show i see one um no i, I was close <laughs> i i counted nine um See, I, I had 11, but I cut it down to 10 because I know how you count. <laughs> I already tried to fix this for you. Oh, I appreciate Whatever. I appreciate that I mean, you include a Mark Fudge factor in your calculations. Right, right. But, it's already in there. Yeah. Um, really, there is just there, there's just a couple that that struck my 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 funny bone here. Um, one was where Tom is actually talking. I think when Leslie's trying to plan their night out. And Tom is really, you know, pushing for the glitter factory and Leslie's kind of played defense and talked to him and the gang out of it. And they're going to go to the, you know, Jurassic Fork instead. And there's a, I think a brief talking head in the deleted scenes where Tom's talking to the camera about why he wants to go to the glitter factory. And the simple reason is Alan, he has glitter bucks, which, which (laughs) interestingly enough are worth a dollar 50 on the dollar, making them, a stronger currency than the U.S. dollar. <laughs> They're probably on par with the euro. With the euro, I love <laughs> I just it. Found that hilarious. Um, the other scene that just kind of tickled me a little bit is where Ron is enjoying the hell out of his breakfast buffet. He is he really just is. tucking into it. He is just in hog heaven. Um, <laughs> stripper comes up to Ron in the strip club, like, "Hey, baby, you know, can you know, can I can I interest you in anything?" and Ron kind of looks up at her puzzled <laughs> like he doesn't even know why she's there. And then he's like, could you get me a refill <laughs> and the hands are the plate? Like, could you get me a refill on everything heavy on the bacon? Now, Alan, it should be noted that Ron is a gentleman. So he does tip her with, I want to see a 20 yeah, or something. No. And, the, and then the stripper is just like, I think she's going to rebut him at first. And then she's like, you know, a 20 is a 20. All right. That's right. <laughs> get you some more <laughs> breakfast food. I just thought that was funny. I mean, I don't have to go grind on some gross old guy. I can just go put some eggs and bacon on a plate and make this man happy. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, if only all men were that simple. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there, there's not a ton of of meat here in the deleted sequences. It's pretty easy to see that, you know, we can live without a lot of these scenes if you got to get you know down to the you know the the big 2130 but um the only other one i thought was worth mentioning was there's an extension of kind of 
Anne's, you know, a rejection of this whole, you know, group pay philosophy. And, you know, at some point it appears that we've somehow the group has underpaid the check. Mm. And, and unfortunately, of course, because it's so funny because Anne hates everything about what's happened to this point, she's actually the one that the waiter hunts down trying to collect this extra money. And she basically just makes an excuse and then eventually just bolts out of the room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She does a little dodge and then just runs for it. Yeah. The head fake is, you know, is, is like she could have played for the Colts there for a minute. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. well done on her part. That was funny. I agree. It was funny, but I, I think that's about all I had there technically on, on those, you know, for that sequence of events and the deleted scenes and should, should we get into character development and then set this thing up for a score? I think so, buddy. I think we should do that. All right. Well, you know what? I, I think I'll, I'll kick us off if you don't mind. And, you know, we can both kind of pile in here, but I, I'd just start by saying, you know, I felt like this was another great ensemble episode. A lot of people got a lot of screen time in somewhat of a balance. I mean, certainly it's a Leslie Tom Ron story, I guess, at the end of the day. But, hmm. you know, uh, we did get some, some, everybody got a little bit of screen time. You know, it wasn't, you know, just them. You know, it, it's interesting you would say that. I, I think, I think overall, I would agree. However, I did write in my notes. See, I, I took a page from your book, Alan. Yeah. And I, I took this, this episode and I specifically compared it to some uh, from the past that I know I ah, loved quite a bit. Good point. And so for me, for example, to date, uh, my high score was the camel. And one of the things I said about the camel was, in my opinion, they did probably the best job to date of, of using their deep comedic bench. So when I compare this to that, which is granted a high mark, I think it's not quite as good as that. Having said that, I think they still did a decent job. Um, and uh, I don't know if this is maybe where you're going with this, but kind of to dovetail off that, um, what they lacked i don't want to say lacked but wh where they maybe drew short of the camel in terms of deep comedic bench use the ensemble use i mm. feel like they more than made up for with uh literal character development and heart and plot and and like actually expanding their universe in a way that makes the world seem real i think those are great points and you're right i mean this was certainly not not like at the top of my list of of even distribution for characters, uh, screen time or anything like that. But I thought it was at least nice that everybody got a little bit of screen time. Nobody was left out. Nobody's, you know, vacationing in Mexico, um, you know, so <laughs> everyone's here right. and, and, and plays a little bit of a part. So I thought that was nice, but it, you're exactly right. I mean, I, I definitely agree with you as well. And I, I think that I had as when I was trying to think about the characters and what to say about them, I had the, the four biggest, in my opinion, were <clears throat> Tom and Leslie. And then I said, OK, I'll do I'll do Ron and Andy as well. Um, and, and not because the others didn't have any screen time. They did. But I felt like it was fairly minimal. So like Ann and Mark and Jerry and Donna and April. You know what? I, I agree with you. I thought that they had fairly good usage out of them. They didn't get a ton of screen time. but I thought they were pretty darn funny when they were on screen. Um, yeah. They got some funny lines um, and they help move the plot Anne. along a little bit. You know, Jerry is the one that recommends they go to Jurassic Fork. Right. Right. So, I mean, yeah, there's some stuff there. 
that actually kind of stunned me that they took Jerry's suggestion and kind of treated him like a normal person, like you know, that they didn't go, come on, Jerry, that's stupid. Yeah. Laugh um, him out of the room like normal. So uh, thinking about the, those big four, Tom, Leslie, Ron, Andy, for Tom, first of all, I thought it was a great job by Aziz Ansari. You know, I don't yeah. think we've had a Tom centric uh, episode in a while. And I think this was good to, uh, you know, they, as funny as Tom's character can be, I like this, that they toned him down a little bit. I feel like mm -hmm. it made him more relatable and yep. it humanized his character a little bit. And I agree. I also thought we mentioned this earlier, but we, they did a great job of kind of wrapping up or including the plot points that they had established in the prior episodes, the, you know, the green card marriage and practice date and Tom's, as you noted, Tom's sad reaction uh, when Wendy talks to Ron about the upcoming divorce during Pekitis, uh, during right. Anne's party. Um, so awesome job there. For Leslie, um, I know our loyal viewers, Alan, I, we know they're not viewers. Um, <laughs> they're probably tired of hearing me saying this, but I really think that that they've settled into the best version of Leslie here. You know, she's persistent and thoughtful and she's still quite nutty, but she's not over the top. And I mentioned this in the, in the last episode, Hunting Trip. I like when Leslie is not portrayed as so goofy or zany that it's hard to take her seriously, especially when at her core, she's really smart and savvy and, and she's really kind, you know? Yeah, um, no, those are good points. I love her, you know, her, her brainstorm to like rent the pantomime horseman, not once, <laughs> but twice. Twice, yeah. Oh, um, for Ron, you know how much I love my boy, Ron. Um, I, I felt like he was definitely in this episode enough that I was satisfied. I don't think he was like the main attraction, but he had several really good scenes. Um, and I was kind of confused during this episode as to how I felt about him. And we kind of covered this a little bit, but, you know, at first I liked that he was trying to give Tom advice to get him through the awkward Leslie storm. And then quite frankly, I thought he was being an insensitive dick when he asked Tom, if he minded, if he asked out Wendy, and then I kind of, and then I kind of reconsidered and I thought, well, you know what? I don't think Ron really realized how Tom felt. You know, I think he's oblivious, but I don't think he meant that in a malicious way. I think he's just, he was, that was kind of dumb. Um, and I think my final verdict is I don't think Ron did anything wrong, wrong per se, but I think he was, he wasn't very intuitive to say the least. And maybe he was just distracted by the breakfast buffet. I don't know. Um, but I thought this was a good episode for him as well. Um, and then Andy is the last person I'll talk about. You know, I mentioned this earlier as well. After all my attempts to kind of, I don't know, defend his actions, like he, he kind of was on the, his own little version of the high road. I feel like he, he turned to the dick side. <laughs> um, I have a lot more sympathy for Andy when he's trying to improve himself than when he's trying to tear Mark down. I think you had made that yeah. point in a prior yeah. episode too. Yeah, I agree. Um, I am so, so glad that they're that they're attempting to finally resolve the Andy and plot line. I'm ready for Andy to move the hell on. Um, I thought that Andy had some great lines, and yeah, I didn't know if this was like Andy's absolute best episode, but it wasn't too bad. He had some great some great one liners, and I also really liked that he came to the conclusion. I'd like to believe that he needed to metaphorically say goodbye to Anne. That was a very nice touch and a nice moment. Um, so. Like Anne said, if it turns out in the next episode that Andy says, psych, then I'm going to be pissed <laughs> because I like this ending. I don't want them to ruin it. But I don't know. What do you think? Do you have anything else to add? I, I think those are all great points. You know, I, I, I feel like I'm also hopeful that Andy is 
you know, maybe he went home, you know, he, you know, him jokingly saying that, of course, legally and is his, but doesn't feel that way. You know, you don't know if that's really what really Andy believes or if it's just, you know, comedic, uh, you know, there for the comedy of it. But whatever happens, he's he's gone home that night and the next day, it, it really truly does feel like, despite that little tiny j- joke at the end, like, yeah, he's got it now. They're, you know, they're a thing. He's not part of it. He needs to move on. You know, I, I, I expressed in the last episode that, you know, and in my notes here again, it's like he, I wish he just saw the April thing as opportunity, you know, so to help him move on. So, you know, we'll see what happens next, of course, in the next episode and, and a little beyond that. But, you know, I, I really like you hope that he's kind of starting to get it and he's going to move on because I'm done with that storyline if he's not. I agree. Well said. Yeah. And on the Ron front, I, I'll agree with you that I don't think he did anything wrong based on his understanding of what he believes about Ron and Wendy's relationship. And yet I said what I said earlier, the way I said it for the reason that I believe it is wrong, he broke the bro code. Like, I just don't think honestly that, you know, there should be a mourning period, you know, even if it wasn't real, like where, you know, what do you say a month he's going to wait? Maybe. I don't know. I just, I feel like, I don't know. I, I, if, if for any reason, Tom, you know, felt anything remotely uh, romantic or even a strong, decent friendship with Wendy, I think it'd be awkward at best for Ron to date her. So I, I don't know. I, I'm not a fan of this plot point and this storyline and the buildup to it. I, I'm kind of glad when it's over and behind us. I, I think, I think I would agree with you there. Um, I, I think that at the very least, I wrote dick move is what I wrote. <laughs> I, I think that Ron, if, if he had been a little bit, if he had had a little bit more intuition, yeah, he, he could have still, even if he didn't realize that Tom was pining over Wendy, the way he, that he is, I wish that Ron would have at least said, you know what? I'm going to wait meh, a couple weeks and then I'll come up to Tom and I'll say, yeah. Hey, I've been thinking about this. Like in this case, if Tom felt anything, anything at all the wound is still like razor fresh yep so probably not his smartest move but well and and you know what the show has already established how well this can be done in the storyline where i think Anne first realizes that she might be interested enough in mark to go on a date with him and she totally shuts down the idea until leslie is the one that brings it up and encourages Anne to actually go forward with it right Um, so they've already kind of demonstrated the right way to do this. I feel like Ron has now demonstrated the wrong way to do this for, and even though he doesn't know, I will give him that benefit. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that that's a fair assessment. I would agree with that. But, you know, like you said, I mean, April and uh, you know, Tom and Jerry and Donna, th- there's not a lot of character development here. They're, they're, they're along for the ride. Um, they're helping move the story along. They've each got a couple of funny jokes and funny moments, but uh, not, not a lot there to really, you know, influence my score one way or another. Yeah, that's fair. So speaking of scores, how, what do you feel? I mean, I, I know that you kind of had your high water mark with the camel. I think I had my high water mark uh, with hunting trip. Um, where, where'd you fall on this one? Well, you know what? Let's, let's tease our viewers a little bit. Don't we have one more commercial break? 
You're right. Um, and we should have probably taken it already. So let's take it now. <laughs> All right. All right, everybody. We'll be right back. Hold on to your horses and we'll uh, we'll come back with our scores. <laughs> be right back. All right. Hello, this is Ron Swanson. While I don't usually frequent so-called gentlemen's clubs, I am here today to tell you about the Glitter Factory. The Glitter Factory is Pawnee's second best option for meaningless, fleeting, cash-based interactions with half-naked ladies. However, it is the first choice for recent divorcees who desperately need something to distract them from the empty, vacant darkness that now permeates their lives. If this sounds like you, then come on in and, quote, pull yourself up by some G-strings, end quote. You'll be glad you did, according to this prepared testimonial. According to someone in my own employ who shall remain nameless, Tom told me this place is the bomb. I believe he was referring to the glitter bomb that literally explodes at the top of every hour, but I can't be sure. What I can be sure of is the sole reason I have frequented this establishment to partake in its world-class all-day breakfast buffet. No, seriously, you won't believe how much bacon, eggs, French toast, and sausage I can fit on a standard dinner plate. And uh, there are uh, dancing ladies here, too, if, if that is your thing. Uh, I can only personally recommend the breakfast buffet, as I generally dislike the smell of wet mop and feared the prospect of encountering one or more low-grade fevers should I stray beyond the confines of the dining room. Besides, as I've said before, strippers do nothing for me. I like a strong, salt-of-the-earth, self-possessed woman at the top of her field, your Steffi Graffs, your Cheryl Swoopses, as obvious examples. In conclusion, if you've already been banned from talent and poise and are looking for adult entertainment or amazing breakfast bargains at any hour of the day, then by all means, stop on by the Glitter Factory. Be sure to tell them Tom sent you to receive a half-off coupon for a small Quiznos sub. Thank you. That is all. All right, everybody. Well, we're back. And Mark was just singing that we forgot the commercial, of course, of course. So, yeah, that's he's exactly right. All right. Well, I, our viewers, Mark, they've been waiting. They're on pins and needles. They just, they, they're beside themselves, just dying to know what we're going to do here in terms of a score. What do you got for us? All right. Uh, you know what? Even better. I'll go first. That sounds great. Well, you know, Webster's defines the term episode at, no, I'm not going to do that. Oh, God. Um, however, I, I Goodbye, will. Goodbye, everybody. See you next week. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was trying to sum up how I felt. So like going on, I went on a long sabbatical. Like I, I had car trips where I was introspective, you know, get out my schematics and Bunsen burners. And <laughs> in the process of that, I stumbled Nerd. upon, a, <laughs> yeah, I stumbled upon a couple things that made me laugh and I thought were actually pretty good. So one of them is a, a quote from Steve Heisler from the AV club, you know him. And oh yeah, Steve, of course. Yeah. I had him over uh, uh, last week for dinner. He was delicious. And so what he said was that Weird. I'm just kidding. We don't do that. Never um, came to that. He said the this episode addressed two of the show's more downbeat stories. 
So with one being Tom's divorce and the other is Andy's kind of pathetic failed attempts to woo Anne. Mm. Um, but despite the fact that they addressed the, these two downbeat stories, they managed to do it by keeping its plucky, upbeat sense of humor intact. The sign of a lasting comedy show is when it's able to maintain its tone when venturing into darker territory. You know, it's not a guaranteed laugh a minute place to take a show, but Good tackling, point. tackling some of these bigger character issues pays off huge in the long term. It, it's kind of like that old adage comedy equals tragedy plus time mm. now that's kind of cheesy but i thought that that was kind of a neat assessment and it was kind of applicable here because you know there were a lot of relatively i mean i don't want to say dark or depressing but i mean it it, it was a little bit more downbeat and and you know what every now and again i think that that's not a bad thing when I, I think it especially stands out as such when it's a character like Tom who's having that down moment because normally Tom is, you know, open mouth grin Tom, right? And right. kind of vapid Tom. And, and yet here he's the one who's suffering a little bit. Right. It's in great contrast to how he usually is. I'd agree with that. Um, the other quote this is very, very quick, but um, Matt Fowler from IGN noted uh, he made a comment about the fourth floor and he said he enjoyed the frightening, the frightening portrayal of the fourth floor, which he said helps establish Pawnee as quote, a place where both the engrossingly real and the entertainingly surreal can coexist. <laughs> and, and Alan, I read that and I thought that's brilliant because that I, I feel like that encapsulates quite a bit in Pawnee. So I just wanted Very to true. mention that. I thought that was, that was rather pertinent. Um, all right. So like the last, I don't know how many episodes, this one I think does well in nearly all categories. You know, it has funny moments. It has deeper heart moments. It has some delightfully bizarre creative moments. Yeah. Um, I mentioned this before, I don't think it does quite as good of a job using the comedic bench as the camel did. It still did a decent job. And I think it made more than made up for it with character and plot development. And, um, you know, I've said this before, but I feel like it's especially applicable for this episode. I, I feel like this is a point in the series where, gosh darn it, this world feels real. Mm. You know, there's a predictable uh, regularity to what we see now when, and we, what we expect when we tune in, you know, some of them are funny moments. Some of them are comforting moments. Some of them are bizarre moments, but you wouldn't mistake this for any place else, but Pawnee. And I feel like now more than ever, it's, it's capable of existing on its own merits without having to be constantly propped up by nonstop gags or one-liners. It's just fun to be in this universe with the characters. I've said it before, but I feel like it's really true here as well. Yep. So, Okay, enough of that. So on, here we go. Here's the scoring. So first, I'm going to give this a base score of a four. Okay. And it's not as as high as like my high point for the camel or, or you know, I think hunting trip. Um, initially, I think I wasn't, a teeny bit of me wasn't sure what to make of this episode. So ergo the four base score instead of the four or five, uh, 4.5. But I got some bonus points. So first, I want to give out a bonus point for a great character development, 
for Tom slash nice job by Aziz Ansari. I thought he did a great job in this episode. Well-deserved uh, accolades for him. I'm going to give half a point to a good job by Leslie slash Amy Poehler. I thought she had some good funny and heart moments and she handled things well without going zany, you know? True. Um, I'm going to give another half point for a good job by Chris Pratt. You know, I thought he had some funny and some good heart moments. And if nothing else, I think this half point is well worth it for the end of this freaking plot line with Anne. I'm, I'm <laughs> ready here, for here. that to be over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we're up to six. I'm going to give half a point for the concept of Jurassic Fork. I, <laughs> I love that whole concept. I want to eat there. I completely want Triceratops. <laughs> and screw what they say. I do want it medium roar. Medium um, roar. Yeah. I'm going to give an entire bonus point for the weird, mysterious, and awesome and frightening fourth floor. Like, I don't know what fever dream that idea, <laughs> it, you know, came out of, but I think it's absolutely brilliant. I mean, when I first saw it, I, I thought it was like some sort of horror movie like it made me really uncomfortable and i said this is fantastic <laughs> like, her they first really... step off the elevator is clearly into a blood stain yeah on the floor <laughs> it, 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 i mean they were very very effective with that i was really yeah. impressed well done. um and god help me i'm gonna give a whole extra bonus point uh -oh. as well to pantomime horseman oh my lord <laughs> this it, I, I can't help it this this makes me laugh so hard. And, and every single time I see it. I know it, what I'm getting you for your birthday now. Every single time I see it, I'm a little tempted. And I don't want my employers to hear me say this. Oh, God. I'm a little tempted to quit my job and <laughs> do that because I think that would be fun. It, it, it would. Yeah. It, it would. I don't know that it would pay a lot. No, probably not. <laughs> Look, Maybe tips, I, I don't know. I am sure that that service has tens of deliveries each decade. <laughs> well, first of all, it's got to have something to do with horse and course and, you know, divorce. I mean, by the time you run out of things that rhyme with horse, I think you're in trouble. You know, Alan, to paraphrase someone from this episode, I'm not sure I've thought through this completely, but yeah, so I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> all right. So, Alan, you add all these numbers up. Yeah, math and, that for us. I, I mathed it. And it maths out to 8.5 Little Sebastians. Now, to me, this feels about right. I feel like this was another extremely strong episode. For me, it maybe wasn't quite the height that I felt with the camel, but it does feel, I would say, worthy of rubbing shoulders with a hunting trip or a Ron and Tammy. It feels mm. in that area. So I was very impressed with it. And you know, usually we mentioned this sort of thing before as well. I don't know that I remembered this. I don't know about you. I did not remember the details of this episode really well. I remembered it as a vague general plot point. I knew that Tom was eventually going to get a divorce, but I don't know that I could have told you hmm. the nuances of what happens. And so because we're critically watching these podcasts, I thought that I was able to appreciate this a lot more. I know we've said that about some of the past episodes as well. No, no, good point. And, and nice job on your scoring there and your rationale for it. I mean, I think we have some things in common for sure. I will say that um, 
from a memorability standpoint, I can just start there since you kind of wrapped up there. I, I'd say I did remember this episode. I, the standout thing for me for this episode was the fourth floor. I mean, I, I think it left such <laughs> an impression on me. I considered it a character within this particular episode, right? I mean, yes, course, it's only course. in the cold open, but, you know, it creates that, uh, you know, that that thing, that place, it extends the universe, you know, kind of helps flesh it out, like you said, and like your, your buddy Steve said there in his, in his, his review of the episode. Love Steve. You know, I think, again, we've said this so many times, but it just, it bears repeating, you know, this show is just so smartly written. It's, you know, it's no two and a half men. And, you know, just, I, I only say that because I'm really hoping to make somebody angry enough that they yell at us, you know, mostly for the PR. Um, but no, I really do not like that show. Um, and I really do like this one for the same reasons. It's just, it's well-written. It's funny. It's smart. It's nuanced. It's, it's not, a you know, a laugh minute, a laugh a minute riot on purpose. It's, it's, built on kind of real ish people and real ish relationships um, things that we can relate to in our real life that aren't so comically caricatures you know they're they're like real things you might actually experience in your real life right so for me I, I that's one of the reasons this is one of my favorite shows of all time and one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast but th that being said, I'd say, you know, uh, other things that influenced my score. Yes, it was funny. Uh, it had heart. It had conflict, um, you know, both real and imagined in Andy's mind. Um, <laughs> you know, it set up Leslie to continue to kind of show this kind of nurturing side that she has. And, you know, she's building, you know, she, she's really cares about Tom here. And is, I think she deeply wants to help him feel better. And it just shows the type of person she is and how much she cares about the people, these friends of hers who also work with her in the department. Um, and, and that kind of, you know, where she's kind of portraying as Mike Sure had kind of described they might have her be kind of like the mom of this team right you right. know she's really cares about her kids um you know in that respect and she wants to see them feel better so she, she puts aside her personal objections for places like the glitter factory and she goes all in so you know for me i i feel like also this episode you know i would say in terms of other episodes I would compare it to a Ron and Tammy. I agree with that. I, I think for me, my high point so far has been hunting trip. So I, I came in just slightly less hot on this one than I did hunting trip. Cause I just, that was such a funny episode. Um, and maybe it's more throwaway than this because this does have the kind of more heartfelt moments. Um, but, but overall, I think on balance, this was a really, really strong episode. And for me, I think in terms of my, you know, my scoring pattern, I gave it eight little Sebastians and I feel like that's about right for me. Um, I think there, there were some missed opportunities here. Um, I was a little annoyed. I might've taken away a half point in there uh, just because, you know, like I'm, I am glad the April Andy thing's about to wrap up, but you know, we took a step backward for Andy here and it, you know, it was our whole B story and I, I was ready to move on. So for me that I, I'd say it probably lost a half point here. Otherwise I'd probably been right there at an 8.5 with you. 
Well, you know what? I think that that's that's absolutely fair. Um, I and, and I'll I'll admit I was vacillating myself between eight and eight point five. Um, so I could have seen it going anywhere in there. Quite frankly, in my opinion, anything anything eight or higher is pretty damn good. And, oh, yeah, and we no and we've had quite a few episodes, just like a string of them in this area. And so it's it's really hard to get down to that nuance. And like you said, it's it's much easier to say this was a stellar episode. Now, what are the nuances? Is it going to be at the top of the list or right close to it? Meh, you know, I, I can see that. I can totally see a 8.0. You know, I think this this episode is kind of what it is. And what I mean by that. You watch it, you kind of enjoy it um, or enjoy it a lot, and you, you're left with the impression that, you know, on a rewatch, at least, that this episode was a good episode and, you know, it was worth worth remembering aspects of it, where I think that what struck me so much about the camel was what a great episode it was and how much I had forgotten it was a great episode where that didn't necessarily happen with this or Ron and Tammy or a few other episodes. Um, they, they left, um, they were slightly more memorable to me and therefore I'm not surprised to find myself giving it, like you said, a really good score of an eight here. Um, so I, I still think camel stands out so far in season two is something of anomaly. And I, I want to make some people angry at some point and go on social media and, and say, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the best episodes of season two fight me um, because I, I really do think that some people won't remember it that way but they'll probably remember this episode they'll re probably remember because you know it, it's a plot point for tom um you know the, the and the fourth floor again it's hard to you know i feel like we're saying too much about it but at the same time it's just such a great construct for this episode absolutely and you know what i wanted to springboard off of something that i heard you say and this has actually been something that i've been thinking about for the past couple of weeks and you said something that reminded me of it um i i it, it i often think about um amy poehler and tina fey in the same breath mm. and i think that both of them are tremendously talented i think both of them are tremendously funny and they've both had very good tv shows and so i don't want anything that i say to take anything away from either of them Having said that, it seems to me that I share your opinion that I enjoy really uh, smart, intelligently written shows that have a lot of heart and that don't have to just go, hey, 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 zing, 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 jab, jab, right. jab with one liners just after the other. Yep. And, and what occurs to me is a lot of teen, and I don't mean this as a shot. This is just a stylistic choice. It seems to me that a lot of Tina Fey shows like 30 Rock, which I think was can be very funny. Absolutely. 30 Rock seems to be more of a zing, zing, zing. Hey, hey, hey. And it's just a different style. But I got to say, I think I prefer this. It's more measured. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, we're doing the podcast about this and not about 30 Rock. And there's probably a reason. And yet, yeah. I love Tina Fey, and I think that shows hysterical at times. I love the, some of the characters in it, and the funny, and you know, it's it's very memorable to me. And I would would rewatch it, but um, it, standing the test of time, I guess in that context, I think Parks holds up better. I completely agree. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and you mentioned, and you've said it before this week as well, Arrested Development is kind of a high watermark for smart comedy. Absolutely. You know, Troy Miller, the director of this, you know, was heavily involved in Arrested Development. So not surprising that, you know, uh, they brought him into this show. Six degrees. There you go. There you <laughs> have it. Well, Mark, I think that about wraps it up for this week. You know, we're going to be back next week with another normal episode. I believe we're going to cover Christmas Scandal. Yep. And um, I'm really looking forward to that. Yep, me too. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks as always for, for joining us here today. Make sure and check us out at www.livefrompawnee.com. Check out our socials and we'd love to hear from you in any way that you'd like. Um, in fact, this week, I'm going to offer something new. If you would like, um, you can email us directly. And this is on the website as well, as well at hosts at livefrompawnee.com. We'll both get that. We would love it if you'd send in a voice clip and tell us what you think. And uh, if, if we like what you say, uh, we'll put you on the air. If we don't like what you say, we'll totally ignore you. Wow. Who, who could resist that? I mean, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks again. And we'll talk to you next week. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompani.com for more details or to contact us. Music